We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And the Lakers got a wire-to-wire win against a potential playoff opponent in the Phoenix Suns yesterday with Anthony Davis just looking like a destroyer of worlds. 41 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals, 3 block shots, got to the line 17 times. It's funny, we've been so much of this year, we've been talking about, you know, what what the Lakers could be. And Mike's simple and yet right on the money point has been we have LeBron and AD. And when he says we have AD, I think this is more or less the player that you've been talking about, Mike, is that we've got that guy. And the way that he bent and distorted that game, which is something you talk about a lot, Darius, um, that do you've rightfully been skeptical in that we know that that guy's in there, but we hadn't seen him at any point this season. And this past week, when we talk about we've got LeBron and AD, we go into the playoffs. We haven't really known what version of them we're going to get, right? LeBron still isn't all the way back. Uh, Hopefully he comes back this week and finishes the season with a couple of games. AD has not looked like this guy for much of the season. But over the course of this last week between the Denver game, the Portland game, and this Phoenix game in particular, Anthony Davis, it looks like we've got at least one of those guys there and ready to go and he's gotten to this point honestly faster than i thought he would faster than i thought he would i've been looking for this guy for 
a little while now. For sure. Uh, no, no, good point. I, I mean, after after the the injury, going from what he was like a week and a half ago to turn to this point, right? So, touche. Good point. Yes, the switch definitely flipped for him. And the thing that was interesting to me and why I wasn't skeptical that this guy would show up at all. I was skeptical of just like, all right, well, the longer we go without seeing this guy, then the longer it is to wonder how easy it is going to be for him to access that player. And we were sort of talking about this offline, right? Right, Pete, that the Denver game started to show the seedlings of this, Mm -hmm. right? But there were still some mistakes that he was making. He still was not as sharp. He was he was still a dominant player for long stretches, but not quite the oh my goodness, this dude looks unstoppable. Now he looked more of that in against Portland. Right. But towards the end of that game, he made some big plays. But I also thought he looked a little bit more like uh, a little bit more fatigued than he had been earlier. Right. Which is natural. It's later in the game. You're not going to be your best. And he had played 39 minutes at that point, I believe. Right. Like his his minute load has gone up to playoff type minutes. Yeah. And this game, though, I thought at the end of the game, he looked like. Oh, if we need to go five more, mm-hmm. let's go five more, right? Like he looked ready to do it. Mike, one of the things that was interesting to me, and you can take this in in any direction, but how nervous were you when he came down and clutched at his calf? And for a couple of possessions after that, he looked like, oh, he's not quite moving that great. Ment- mentally, I was concerned But I thought it was a big thing for him to sort of push through that and then after that look just as explosive and just as dominant to close out that game. So that that specific play, it was about the fact that it was the right calf, right? And and so for the split second, I thought about it. But I also I, I think my brain was correcting to think he had the right calf contusion at 1.2 and then he got like hit there a couple games ago and was fine and so I was thinking okay maybe it's more like that and it's sore but I think this was just a muscle stretch or something he didn't even mention it and he looked fine after so Darius I'm choosing to ignore your question um after that (laughs) and yes I'm choosing to move past that I uh I don't I don't know how far apart we've been on this but I've always thought that the way that Anthony Davis has just talked about the game this year and talked about his play that he knew that there was going to be a point where he really broke out the the big stick and he it clearly was not doing it early and i think that in the way that he had described his off season he signaled to us that he wasn't going to do it so then when he get and the lakers are still you know 17 and 6 and and winning because lebron was in mvp mode and everything else was fine after the injury he kept saying that his legs were still coming, that they weren't there yet. And I think we had to believe him. And they weren't. And you could you could tell when dudes were finishing at the rim on him, which doesn't happen when Anthony Davis is fully fit Anthony Davis. And, and that was that was game after game. Uh, the two Dallas games, right? The uh, the Washington game, the Sacramento game, where you keep watching, you're like, what what is going on here? This is not AD. But the minutes keep ticking up. 
And the Denver game is the first time that that was, if you guys remember before that pod, we knew they were going up against this, the tough stretch. It was going to be Denver, the Clippers, Portland, Phoenix. And I was thinking, and maybe part of this was hopeful, but now he has to go like he, in his own head, he realizes that part, a little bit for seeding, but part of it also just because LeBron is now out again and the playoffs are approaching. Okay. Now's the time, Anthony, and it's talking to himself and he responded immediately and it was just different it, the, when the way that he walked out on the court swagger wise, even if his wind wasn't quite the same as it was in Toronto, he was flat against the Raptors. He just was. And that game they lost pretty convincingly and the Denver game, they win. Now the Clipper game is, is the exception here. Cause of course he goes out in the first quarter. Uh, he only plays nine minutes and the Clippers do a really nice job. I thought of, of trapping him, of pressuring the ball everywhere. And it just, the, the Lakers were just weren't there for it. And then these last two now are basically his best back-to-back games that he's had in a couple of years. Like even, even going back to some of the games from last season, 36 and 42 points, 12 boards each time, five assists. He had, this is always the stat, the stocks stat. Like when you know that AD is right in the playoff, three blocks, three steals. And I think the, the, the bottom line now is to, to actually Pete, I'm going to flip this to you for your opinion. And we can, we can kind of kick back to uh, me and Darius here. This this has to have a different feel for you, no matter what the playoff matchup is, no matter just seeing AD get there. And we'll get to what they said about LeBron, by the way, because he had he had some encouraging things to say about LeBron, too. But just this AD has to change, I would think, the way that you're uh, like seeing it, right? <laughs> seeing it on in the actual court has to change the way that you're thinking about all this stuff. Very much so. It's the biggest relief of the season, seeing Anthony Davis like this, because everything clicks into place and he's one of those players where the box score does reflect his dominance in that when he's right, he's just everywhere. He's a fantasy monster, right? In that he's just stuffing every stat in the stat sheet. And that's reflective of what's happening on the court. It's like some of the rebounds he got in that fourth quarter, because we were kind of a mess and that's going to happen when you don't have a guard or some type of unifying force down the stretch of that game we're trying to hold off a run from a really good team and we're disorganized we're not getting great shots but the one place where he could and this is something that was indicative just throughout the week is that he could dominate and control the game on the defensive end so he's like skying for a defensive rebound on one play he blocked another corner jumper right before he got that alley-oop lob to put the exclamation point on the game uh he has a he's ubiquitous when he's at his best he is everywhere on the court he is able to slide over to help on dribble penetration then close out to the three-point shooter in the corner in ways that just very, very few, if any, guys in the NBA can do that. And so the sense of relief and the impact that comes from that, his minutes with Montrez Harrell in particular were interesting because he has not, AD, as we've been saying, has not been this guy all year. And seeing some of the impact it had on some of his teammates, Phoenix doesn't have the size to deal with AD. They've got nobody for him. And so they went to a lot of, two three zone but also they were three-quarter denial in the post and what we we had a lob from drummond to ad earlier in the game you want to do that high low type stuff meaning that you pass the ball to the top of the key the ball barely touches his hands lob over the top because that's the passing angle to get the guy get the ball to the guy down there 
there were some possessions with Trez where Trez was the guy at the nail right at the free throw line and AD was being denied the post entry and so Trez has the ball at the free throw line and he's really looking to get the ball to AD on the lob and there was one play where they're like Trez go attack and he's got Frank Kaminsky in front of him right but think about that Darius think about the position that puts Trez in is yeah. you've got a defense that's super worried about superstar Anthony Davis and now you've got Montrez Harrell who is one of the best finishers in the game at that particular shot and it speaks to the degree to which this Anthony Davis locks everybody else into place quick X's and O's point Pete about that high low action the lob that you mentioned ha- between Drummond and AD was a first quarter play I was on the NBA TV feed the Lakers now are on national TV every game, basically, right? But after that play, Aiton looked to the sideline after the lob, and he looked like he was looking for an explanation as to, like, did I mess up yeah, here? That's right. right? Because <laughs> the lob is the thing you could tell when you three-quarter front that way or front entirely – the defense knows that the lob is like high-low action lob. That's that's how where you they're break vulnerable. That, yes, right, exactly. And so later on in the game, the adjustment that the Suns were doing was they weren't guarding the flash. Like the flash was coming up to make clean catches time after time after time. And so that's the right? guy on the free throw and, line, right? Flashes up to the free throw line. Yes, and and so. When you have Trez, that sort of like prodding him, like go, go there, attack. That's because you're laying off that guy. And that's almost why the combination with even potentially with Mark, right, who is a better sort of like mid, like he can shoot that little fade or or that little shot or Trez who can both shoot the flip shot and get all the way to the rim and sort of and draw fouls. I think Trey shot six free throws that that's an interesting little wrinkle there that we saw Um, and circling back to Mike and the question about like, does your viewpoint change? Like, yes, it changes. It changes because we have new information, right? And that new information is like, Oh, AD's finishing off the game with sort of like a 180 catch, like spin in the air dunk and walking to to the sideline and screaming to, you know, the 2000 or 2500 fans that are in Staples that I'm back now. Right. A few games ago, after beating the Nuggets, it was we back. This time it's I'm back. Right. And that idea of AD saying, yeah, it is go time for me now. And I am going to show it on the court. It's it's one thing, Mike, to sort of say, as AD has plenty of times this year, like, I got to play better. I need to do X, Y, and Z. Like, I'm a leader. And he has said, I think, a lot of the right things this year. I think he's been introspective. I think he's been self-critical when he's needed to be self, self-critical. But there has been a certain ceiling on his play, and he has broken through that ceiling with his last couple of games. And seeing it, especially in three out of the last four, well, four games, and the one game that it didn't happen was he basically only played one shift. That's super encouraging 
um, to say nothing of what his postgame comments were about stuff about LeBron and and just sort of AD being back into the center of the frame as I'm a leader. I'm trying to do this for us and and push us forward. Yeah. And it, so another player that was terrific uh, was Caruso uh, in these two games. And I thought so after the game. Caruso, I asked him about AD and what it means to have him back and all that. And the way that he responded speaks directly to the confidence that has always been there. It's just that they, as much as they, like me, expected that it was going to happen. And they they expected, even if it didn't happen until the last game of the regular season, like they've all seen it so many times. They've all been around these guys. They've all probably seen increasing pockets of AD looking like this in practice. Now, recently, they've seen LeBron start to ramp up in practice, which we can get to. So it's there. The confidence is there. And, and that came out, right? That came out um, from Caruso. And it's just a, it's a, a warning shot out to the rest of the teams in the West as well. And to Phoenix specifically, who we'll talk about this, I think probably in the next pod, Pete, but they are still the most likely um, opponent. Now there is a, a scenario that's not as hard to believe now where the Lakers could pass Portland. We'll see. Uh, we'll see if the Clippers, how the Clippers and the Nuggets end up. You would think that those teams would be trying at this point to sit guys and get to the four or sort of stay in the four um, so that they're more likely to get Dallas than just the risk of getting the Lakers. So it's a, it, all of that's going to be interesting, but the bottom line still just goes back to that Anthony Davis and how good of a team that you can have when he's like that. The harder part is, could he do that if LeBron weren't there like for a whole season? Is he there yet? Can he do that with his body? Can he do that with his mentality? You know, could he have approached the season like that and been that guy? You know, been been that guy that's looking out and uh, and saying, you know, I'm I'm here, I'm ready, we back, all that kind of stuff. And that's we have not h- had to see that yet. But these last couple of nights, that's been the guy that's there. And and notice how little all of the stuff that we used to be concerned about lineup cohesion and who's playing with whom and which big is playing back. If when AD is going out like that, it doesn't right. matter. It, like if you have a guy <laughs> that's, that's right. dominating the game that much and the same thing with LeBron, it fixes everything. Well, it slots everyone, Mike, like it sets the hierarchy in place. If AD is just another guy, then guess what? Like you have to treat him like just another guy. And, and if he's going to shoot eight for 20, Right. Or less than that in his first few games back and provide suboptimal defense, then it's just like, okay, well, this is this is replacement level player production. Right. And AD is anything but replaceable. It's it's why you've been sort of waiting on this. And and so I talk about slot us well slotting all all of the time, but one of the things that AD said in the NBA TV media availability when he was talking with what well, was Steve Smith is I'm used to doing this in terms of like having to carry a team. I did it in New Orleans for six and a half, seven seasons. And 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 so to speak to your point, Mike, like could he do this for a full season? I think he could play to like first team all NBA level, which is what this looks like, right? For an entire season. Like, I don't think he needs LeBron James to be Anthony Davis. He was Anthony Davis before LeBron James, right? The question is, is, is that enough to be a title team? I, I don't think it is. We, 
because you need that elite ball handler sort of shot creator guy that that can do more for other players besides slot them appropriately with with your play. Um, but I do think that if he I think he would need a full offseason. I think his body would need to be rested. I think that he would probably need a bit more motivation coming off of the previous season, right? And all of those things, I think, lagged a little bit behind this year based off of the circumstances of what just happened. He did win his first NBA title. They did only have an eight or a nine-week turnaround before the season started. And it's just like, all right, you've been saying it all year, Mike, that – he probably looked looked at that and said, "Nah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at this like like Shaq yep. a little yep. bit, right? Like like I'm gonna I'm gonna prepare on company yep. time." I think in a lot of ways that this has been a long preseason for him, uh, and whether or not he could carry a team in this manner throughout an entire season, that's a discussion for a future season and not something that I'm particularly like he's here now, you know, and the, the Shaq comparison is a perfect one in that he is showing up on time. He's always raised his game for the playoffs. And so this is a a really exciting event in the Lakers season. To me, this last week, we had a pod about a week ago called big week ahead. And that was based on us playing all of these really good opponents coming up, all of these Western Conference opponents. And he sent that message to different teams in the West. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Big week, two and two week, considering who was down, that's got to be considered a success. I think that the the loss against Portland was disappointing because of the stakes of that game, but I think you said this on Twitter, Pete, like big picture, getting AD to play to that level in, in that game was even more important than what the outcome was. AD looking like this is the most important event of the season. So let's take a quick break uh, uh, because, as Mike said, Phoenix is still our most likely first-round opponent, and we got a, a little glimpse of how that matchup looks. So I'd love to pick your guys' brain on what you thought of it. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. 
When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in Instant Karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma Money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. So, Mike, the whole game, uh, especially the first part of it, I was like, is Phoenix missing somebody or do they have somebody hurt in their front court? And they, Cam Johnson was out. He's a sh- great shooter. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw that dunk he had on Jared Allen about a week ago where he attacked a closeout and it was one of those from the wing and you're kind of cutting across the lane. He planted one foot and reverse dunked on Jared Allen to attack a closeout. But yeah, he was their one guy who was out, but I I don't see how they can handle our size. That was my biggest takeaway from from our matchup with them. Mike, what did what do you see in a big picture sense if we're to face these guys in a seven game series? Yeah, I don't I don't think my opinion has changed on Phoenix from the preseason uh, really, and this was giving a ton of respect to Chris Paul, and it goes back to what he did to carry Oklahoma City to the five seed last year. I know there's been some MVP discussion about Chris Paul. If you look at his splits from this year, from last year, they're almost exactly the same. Um, he has more assists this year and a little bit less scoring uh, because of, obviously, his personnel and compared to what he was asked to do in Oklahoma City. But he is the ultimate floor raiser. You know, I think for the regular season, like LeBron is in that mix too, to an extent. Uh, and maybe James Harden with the right personnel. But he he's going to make sure that you're locked in, you're focused, the right guys are getting shots, real point guard stuff, right? And he also plays defense unlike some of the other point guards in the NBA that can't impact the game that way. And he's just a hell of a competitor. So I've got all of the, uh, the respect there for Chris Paul, Devin Booker, uh, who, you know, was not particularly good last night. I didn't think he was as aggressive early. Um, he ends up getting to the free throw line a bunch, uh, but just, which wasn't really hitting shots. Like he, he is able to go and be a really effective number two um, then, or at least one a next to Chris Paul but it's my whole thing about when your two best players are in the backcourt. And even though they're not the small guards like Mitchell and Conley or even like Lillard and McCollum that we talk about all the time, they are, they're just not that impactful um, at the big positions. And against the Lakers, that's, you, you just can't, that's a nightmare. And we saw that with Anthony Davis specifically last night. Same thing could happen with LeBron. There's no, you know, as good of a defender as Bridges is, he can't, he just physically, LeBron is not the guy for him right that's just not going to happen and then you're then you're you're asking your jay crowders uh and your tory craigs right guys that are limited um on in one way or the other to to either try to match up bigger with ad or to try and stick with lebron which you're not going to be able to do anyway or he can just call for a screen and get a switch 
So like I, th- I thought Phoenix was going to be top four um, in the preseason, which I think some were still a little slow to come around on. The reason why they're one or two is because they have been the healthiest team in the West by far. Uh, Bridges and Aiden haven't missed a game. Chris Paul missed one game. Devin Booker missed four games. And then they've kind of rotated their other starting spot. So that to me is the, the only difference to, between these teams standings wise is because of health. That's it. Clearly from a matchup perspective, they just, th- there's no way they can hang with the Lakers size. And this was before, uh, or this is without LeBron James included, which is sort of p- part of the whole key of unlocking the Lakers size. So uh, that's, that would be my general way to, to look at Phoenix and like they could, they win a, a first round series against Portland or Dallas. Sure. But I don't think they're necessarily uh, they're, they would necessarily be favored um, over the Clippers or the Nuggets is, is is interesting without Murray. But the Lakers, there's no way like I, that would be my traditional kind of Lakers and five pick uh, that we had last year, guys. And, you know, maybe they win one game if they get hot and the Lakers aren't serious about it. Phoenix has an Anthony Davis problem. Yeah. A lot there's a lot do. of teams yeah. in the league that have an yeah. Anthony Davis problem. Right. But Phoenix particularly has an Anthony Davis problem. Aiton is not as he is not yet there in terms of being an impactful defender. He he defended AD a couple of times and AD was able to still get to spots on the floor where his jumper is still just too good for and Aiton isn't good enough yet defensively to sort of like take away anything like he's he's not well-rounded enough and AD has too much in his bag. Right. And, and, and so, right, oh, you're going to cut off my baseline spin. That's fine. I'll just go middle this time. Like, oh, you're going to you're going to take away middle. Yeah. Well, here comes the the looping fading shot from the baseline. Right. Like there there's too much there. Um, and I thought this was one of Drummond's more impactful offensive rebounding games where he was really sort of like wedging his way in there and, and keeping balls alive and making it so that Phoenix was having trouble sort of getting into their offense. Um, one of the things that I thought was, was interesting about this matchup specifically was I thought, KCP did a really oh, good job thunder. defending yes. Booker. Yes. Hey, no, I was yes. going to ask you about this. So, so please talk to me about KCP on Booker because I thought he was the sort of underrated hero of Booker's line. Booker runs off of a lot of screens, off-ball screens in particular. That's part of why the partnership with Chris Paul works is that CP3 has the ball in his hands. Devin Booker is wonderful at running around screens in a way that he's like, he's an okay three-point shooter, but he's really good at that Rip Hamilton. I'm going to, if you're playing too high, I'm going to back cut you. And he can get from a sprint to going up on balance and shooting a soft jumper very quickly. But that also plays into KCP's strength on the defensive end, which is as a lock and trail defender. Uh, And what that is, is KCP is going to get his chest squared up with Booker's shoulder off of the ball, and he's going to chase him off of screens. This is what KCP is best at on the defensive end. It's one of the reasons he's a really good Steph Curry defender, uh, and he's okay at at the point of attack and, and Booker can do some things there, but really where Booker's best is flying off of those screens. And KCP does as good of a job as anyone as getting skinny, staying attached and using his speed to stay, 
connected with Booker in a way where watching that game in a big picture, very simple sense, they have an Anthony Davis problem. We are much more equipped to defend what they're really good at than they are at defending us. And in some ways, it's it's not a whole lot more complicated than that. One of the things that really helps, too, with that, Pete, is that because KCP is such a good lock and trail defender, he can deny catches at times where most where other individual defenders cannot deny the catch. And once a player like Booker has the ball, he is also a very good shot creator in isolation. Right. He can get to spots on the floor and elevate in in a way. And he's bigger than you think he is. Right. Some people might think that Booker is Donovan Mitchell size. He's he's not. He's closer to Kobe Bryant size than he is. Like he's a good six, five, six, six. And he's a sturdy dude. And you could tell because he will knock you off a little bit and he will elevate for that jumper over the top. And so one of the things that you need to be able to do with a guy like Booker is if he's used to coming off that Iverson cut, right? Or they'll do like a pin down action, but instead of coming wide, he will he will come off of it tight up the lane line and then come across like it's an Iverson cut. And so the Iverson cut normally starts high, but... Booker starts low, sort of like in the corner, and it gives him that curl option where if he's open early, you can give him the ball right there in the pocket and he can elevate. But if he's not, he will come all the way out to the shoulder, make make the catch, and then he can come off a pick and roll or or isolate. This is classic shooting guard stuff too, right? In a league that's gone yeah. so three and key, this is Rip Hamilton. This is, you know, those old uh, shooting guards running off of those curls. It's, it's good basketball. Old school... Old school Ray Allen, like yeah, yeah. guys who used to move around like this too, is just like, oh man, like look at Ricky Pierce work <laughs> right now, right? Like, like OG, the, like these are sure. OG guys, but 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 those are the guys where it's like that was the game mm-hmm. back then. Even Byron Scott to a certain mm-hmm. to a certain extent, yep. like if you want a Laker call back, he was a classic shooting guard. He moved around like that. Now Byron spotted up a lot more because of the post action guys and and he was never going to be a number one one option but that's how these dudes used Mm -hmm. to play right it's it and it's actually not that long ago that that this was in vogue and anyways but if booker's going to come off motions and actions like that he's typically going to be able to make make a catch 10 out of 10 times right just because it's hard to stay attached to a guy that size who moves that well and uses screens the way that he uses that well the way that he uses them but if with kcp last night i was just like okay well instead of making a catch 10 10 out of 10 times it's like seven out of 10 times or eight out of 10 times and you might think that oh well three less touches what kind of big deal is that but if you're running your offense in order to make this guy, the number one option and get him a touch and suddenly he's denied. Well, then guess what? That means Chris Paul has to go create something or now you're into option two or option three. And one of the things that I thought wasn't as good for the Suns last night is, you know, who was a no show for them was DeAndre mm-hmm. Ayton, right? And and so if you can't go to Ayton and Booker is operating at 70% of his capacity 
then the Suns have an offensive problem. Even though they shot really well, I thought they actually didn't generate enough right in order to really get the Lakers back on their heels in in a way that was going to make and a difference. Part of that was not just KCP's defense on Booker, but also Alex Crusoe, man. Alex Crusoe was phenomenal on both ends of the court. He had a great quote in the walk-off with Mike. Give it a listen real quick. I mean, we're a good-ass team, Mike. You know, um, when we're fully healthy and we got our guys rolling, um, I still think we're the best team in the world. I know we haven't showed it this year, but it's been a long season. It's been a grind. Um, we're going to continue to fight and work to, to get to where we need to be for when playoffs start because um, that's when it's really important. And I, I think these last two games, you can see how concentrated AD was. You can see how concentrated our team was. Um, that, that We're locking in. We're getting ready for the long road ahead. We're a good-ass team, Mike. Uh, just like Alex said, and, and Alex Caruso is a is a big part of why we are that. I, I would love to just spend a couple minutes. He has started to grow on the offensive end, right? In almost by necessity, right? With everybody out, but he's taking shots. He's taking pull ups at the free throw line, uh, attacking the basket, looking to score. Just real phenomenal signs of growth from him on the offensive end. Where if he can apply this mentality to when LeBron comes back, to when Schroeder comes back, to when he gets, if he can apply this mentality to fewer touches, which is hard to do. It's a different mentality to have. This is, he, he takes another step, another leap in terms of the tier of player that he is. And he's already, you know, like Frank said last night, deserving of a all defensive team honor, right? Just uh, talk to me a bit about Alex, Mike, because he was just phenomenal last night. Yeah, so this, the interesting part of that start of the quote was I asked him about AD, and that's when he got into the whole, I've heard some people say on Twitter that he's soft, and then the beast is waking up, right? And here he comes, and then he got to the next point when I asked him about how much confidence does that give you? And it's it wasn't a defiance to the rest of the league or anything, but it was kind of like, yeah, like we're a good-ass team, dude. Like, don't like yeah, we know that we are. And it, it plays back into Darius's slotting term, when in our whole podcast in the preseason, when we were getting annoyed with the level of disrespect for the Lakers three through eight or three through 11, which now is like three through 13. And, but again, you have to have the stars playing like stars at the top of that for all of that to engage. And now that we saw Anthony Davis engaging again, all of a sudden there's Wes Matthews playing really well, shooting 50% from three playing defense. There's Caruso. uh, There's KCP. There's Marcus All coming in off the bench, giving you minutes. There's Drummond, who had his had his mistakes and foibles last game, but got eight or nine offensive rebounds. Like be, because Phoenix had to tilt their entire defense towards Anthony Davis. So what what did that mean? There's Drummond, and now put LeBron back into that mix. What's Drummond going to do? So, but to stay on Caruso specifically for this point, I was watching the second half over a little bit while uh, last night. After I got home and, and, you know, I got a taco going, I sit down, I didn't cook it like Darius may have, but thankfully my wife was kind enough to leave it in the fridge for me. And I turn it on and Caruso is just all in Chris Paul's space and all in Chris Paul's body for possession after possession. And Chris Paul's great. Like Chris Paul still ends up, you know, six or 13 from the field, 13 points, 10 assists, but he had to work uh, to get there. And it just got me thinking. The Lakers are so good defensively in general, but especially against guards. And you might look in their your team and you, and you think and you don't see that defensive. Like you don't see Drew Holiday, who's got the name for somebody that can kind of take a guard and shut them down. But 
KCP and Caruso, shooter to an extent, and especially with the help that they get from bigs, especially with how much pressure they play with, especially with how little they have to do offensively usually because of LeBron and AD, they just blitz guards. They blitz teams like this. They can take out the Booker types, right? And they can take out the Chris. Like, this is what they do, and this is why when you think about these potential matchups, and even if they do end up in the play-in and they have to go against Steph, you know, the Lakers are the last team that Steph wants to see. And, and that's, I don't want to tempt fate and think he might, he could hit 13 threes in a potential one-off, but like they yeah. are, they are the team that traps and rotates and, and frustrates and they've got hard nosed dogged defenders. And I think Caruso has to be at the top of that list for the guy that they know they can count on big guard, small guard, whatever. He's a, he's athletic, he's physical, he's smart, he's cutting off angles. He's doing all that stuff. And these last couple games, guys, I just, I didn't even talk about his offense, which I know was part of this. But I still think that that's the thing, the defense that he brings you, which is the thing that carries forward when you have your full roster going. I'll talk about his offense because holy cow. Remember that game? It was LeBron's first season. I think it was against oh, yeah. the Clippers. When he dropped 32 on Lou Will and them. Yeah. When he dropped 32, he had he had some one-hand gather, wrong-footed layups. He had some step-back threes. And it was just like, internet went crazy. We are like, Alex Crusoe, we love this dude. He was yeah, that was like the beginning of it. Just real quick. Uh, it, it's not so crazy anymore. The idea that Alex Cruz is a better player than Lou Williams. Right. Like that's remember when that set set Twitter on fire. Sorry, I just needed to throw that. Man, I needed to defend Mike's honor I, here real quick because that you were right about that hey, shit. When real you said ones it. knew. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't say it for fun. I didn't say it for I didn't say it for fun. I said it because I watched every Laker and Clipper game uh, for the last five right. years. So that yeah. Anyway, right. carry, thank carry you, on, thank Darius. You for yes, yes. Up. So, Pete, there's a certain amount of skill that Caruso has had offensively, but he is also the quintessential mm-hmm. role player, and it's a mentality thing, right? Too. And and it's a mentality and approach thing. Caruso is. And this is very similar to Marc Gasol, I think, right? If you told Gasol, hey, man, we need 15 shots from you tonight. Like, work to get him a little bit, you know? He would go get you mm-hmm. 15 shots, and he may not make half half of them, but he could probably go, like, six or seven for 15, a couple threes. right? Make a mm-hmm. couple of threes. Right. And then suddenly at the end of the night, Marcus all would have something like like 16 points on 15 shots with eight rebounds and five assists. And you'd be like, oh, damn, Marcus all where'd that come from? Well, guess what? Marcus all's a skilled player. He is not some bum. Right. Because he only decides he's going to shoot four times a game. Right. And look to pass and be the connective tissue within the context of your offense. Darius, no, you keep, thank you for summarizing why I was frustrated with the outside take on Gasol for the first half of the season, which even came up on, on the broadcast last night to an extent. It's like, no, Mark Gasol did not struggle early in the season. Marcus, Marcus was specifically playing a role um, and noticed what he, what he was doing around LeBron and AD. He was not, looking for his own stuff now he could have more but it wasn't like he was not struggling because the team was doing well when he was on the court bug me these the players who are super smart they do calculations in their head about 
about what is the trade-off here. I've said, like, I've made this comparison before, but it's like a poker player who was at the table and then, and they're playing Hold'em. They know their cards. They know the cards that are now being flipped over, right? And, oh, well, here's the turn. This is, oh, and they are doing the calculations in their head about what they're holding, what is showing, and what the best option is. And players like Gasol and players like Caruso, they know, all right, well, this pull-up jumper for me is maybe a 39% shot, and there's 12 seconds left on the shot clock, and we still can work another action, another two actions, and potentially get a 50% Mm -hmm. shot, right? And these are the things that really smart players are doing, possession after possession after possession. And one of the things that Caruso said, he was giving Phil Handy some love like three or four games ago in one of the Zooms. And he was just talking about Phil sort of being on him to be more aggressive and be more assertive to, to look for his shot a little bit more. And, and, and also that Phil is a guy who like sort of shows them stuff in terms of like skill development and work that you just don't get from from anywhere else. And so Pete, when you said earlier, it's a mentality thing. That's what this is with Alex Caruso. It's, he has said, I am not going to just, I can't be just a caretaker offensive guy. Right. And maybe he needs to, and, and maybe he needed to inject a little bit more THT Mm -hmm. into his game and THT Uh might need to inject a little bit more Caruso in like like into his game, right? Because there's a proper balance that you need to have mm-hmm. when you're a lead ball handler. It can't just be set up everyone, set up everyone. Oh, get downhill, look to pass, look to pass, look to pass, because you will get eaten up by defenses that that way. And to see his aggression against the Suns, I was encouraged by that. I've been encouraged by his play over the last week or so because it's not so much that he's gotten better at some of this stuff, even though he has, right? But he's gotten more comfortable in the role and he has shifted his mentality enough that I think like, oh, this is why this dude is actually a starting caliber guard in this league because he has the offensive game he has more of that too. And it's not just like, Oh, he actually can't do it. He actually can Mike. And all of that stuff makes so much sense. It, to, it just, the thing that st- stands out to me is about the guys like a and Crusoe that, that are so smart. They know that they could do more, but are trying to get the, the better thing going. And it made me think about a bigger picture thing of the Lakers. Now they have a lot of guys that, you know, beginning of the season, let's say they're the one seed they're defending. They're kind of fending people off. They're fighting guys off they're the ones that are being hunted now even if the seeding things gets tricky they have a real kind of f you to them that caruso said in the post game that is really difficult to create for a defending champ and and that to me with lebron coming back is is the real exciting part about them moving forward now is that they they kind of have they haven't had to find pete bulletin board material it's just been there They've actually been counted out now, right? And that's that is something that a coaching staff uh, has to love uh, deep down, even if they don't want to admit it. You can't artificially manufacture something like that, right? And people have been talking a lot last couple months, and AC's comments to you in the post game were right in line with that. Like, okay, uh, 
I we we've heard everything that you got to say about AD, everything that you got to say about us, and that is gold. Um, that said, we are in a, a a seedings crunch, right? Where this could go a bunch of different ways, and so on tomorrow's episode of the LFR Pod, we're going to get into that. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot, the a lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Listen.